Hello and welcome to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups. In this episode, we talk about how to change. Every year, we have things we want to change in our lives, but how does change actually work? We walk you through a proven method of change and one that is ingrained in all of our small groups. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and without further ado, here is How to Change. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. It's so good to be sitting down again with Scott and Sarah as we are into the new year. And what better topic to talk about um, than how do we change? And one of my favorite things about um, getting to know y'all and also the model of restore is uh, really the how-to. I mean, I think there's so much talk about uh, it's important to know your why, but I love how uh, methodical and you guys actually talk about putting this stuff into practice. And so I'm very excited to talk about how do we change? Because we all wake up on New Year's Day or the day after and we're like, I really want this year to be different. But yet somehow, somehow, some way, it just seems like things just don't really change. So I know there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be interested in this episode and I for sure am myself. So um, Sarah, why don't you start with, uh, let's talk about the model for change. Uh, I'm gonna let you pronounce the doctor's name so I don't, I don't butcher it, but talk <laughs> about kind of where this model comes from. So I was introduced to this model uh, working with Restore, and Scott really was the person who found it first um, and introduced me to it. But it's uh, Dr. James Prochaska's model, uh, which comes from his 30-plus years of research and Mm. his book, Changing for Good. And the thing that I find, and we use this in groups all the time, we, we explain this at the beginning of our Journey to Freedom group to our participants, because for me, and when I, when I train facilitators on how to do the group, I always pause on this because I think it's such a avenue of hope for mm. people when mm. so, much, so many of us, and this is true of myself, live in a sort of uh, dualistic black or white thinking in terms of change. I'm either succeeding at my change or I'm failing. Right. And it can be very discouraging if you've tried and then in your mind you feel you've failed. Sure. Um, so... Prochaska's model is actually quite encouraging. To me, it's a lot like the stages of grief. We all know that when you enter the stages of grief, they're not linear. Mm. Uh, you you start and then you circle back around and mm. then you come back to another stage. And his stages of change are very much the same way. Mm. There is somewhat of a linear path, but then a lot of it's going to be kind of circling back and trying again mm. and then coming back to the next stage. So... Uh, he has uh, technically six stages of change. And the reason that he landed on these is because he did a lot of research around people who were smokers. Mm. And he wanted to figure out why do some people quit and mm. quit for good. And then other people can't seem to right. ever quit. Right. So after studying, uh, interviewing people and trying to figure out, well, what's the secret sauce in change? He came up with these six stages. And the first one is really uh, pre-contemplation, which is denial. Mm. Just the refusal to kind of believe there is a problem to Mm. look at at all. Or the problems lie outside of yourself. Mm. um, And they don't really have anything to do with you. Um, And then the second stage is once you've perhaps come to the realization that you do have an issue that you need to be dealing with, uh, you move into contemplation. Mm. And contemplation is just your own self-awareness growing around the fact that you have issues that you need to be looking at. Um, And that kind of time of pinpointing what those are. Mm. So maybe the shift comes from this is other people's problems, this is outer problems to an inward focus. Correct, yes. And realizing, but then I think another 
big piece of that is a lot of what we do in group, which is the understanding of how you got there. Mm. The digging back into your story and saying, well, if I'm here now, how did I, how did I get here? So I think that contemplation can go on for a very long time in people's lives because it depends on how big the suitcase is you need to unpack and it might be quite big and you might be unpacking it for quite some time. So contemplation is a stage that I think is incredibly important. It's what we focus on in group life is um, for as long as you need to think about it, yeah. think about it because it's important. And I would imagine too, that that's the earliest stage where guilt and shame creep in. Cause as soon as you start to take accountability or you say, I need to, ch- I need to change. It's really hard probably not to move into immediate, God, how did I get here? And so if you're, if you're, that's, that's probably where people shift out. They're like, I can't even handle looking at this. I can't believe I did this to my life. So I would imagine, you know, having that stage being taking as long as it needs and especially being in a group format um that's a safe space versus man i finally realized i need to change oh i felt so guilty for how i got here so i can imagine that's helpful being around people i think that goes back to the episode that we recently did on grief and loss because Mm -hmm. that i think is if you if you're talking about people uh wanting to get out of the process it is most likely because they're encountering significant regret and grief and loss and it's painful. Mm. And so it's like, I, how can I just not do this? Right. I don't want to feel that kind of pain. Yeah. Um, but I also think on the flip side of that, people can get stuck in contemplation sure. forever. Yeah. Like we've uh, talked about that. It's um, you can sit and ruminate, if you will. I think what starts as sort of healthy contemplation can easily become rumination. Right. And then you just kind of stay there forever mm-hmm. and you don't move. So the point is the next stage is preparation. So mm-hmm. if you start to move out of contemplation, you're moving then into preparation, which is I'm getting ready to take some action around the things that I don't, I don't like, or I want to change. Um, it's honestly the stage that most people skip. Um, oh, wow. we come from a lot of times we just honestly go straight into action. Uh, we might come out of denial. A lot of times we skip contemplation, preparation, we go straight to action. Then we can't figure out why we can't sustain the action. Mm. I've I've never heard that. That's really fascinating because that that is in my own experience. If I got to lose weight this year, if I'm going to go get something, then it's like, especially, you know, the way I was trained in sports, it was like, get after it now. Like instead of trying to run, you know, a mile a day, I'm going to run four. I'm going to push myself. And then before you know right. it, you're burnt out. So Prochaska actually says, if you put a person, if you put a person who is in contemplation in action, they're going to quit. Wow. Mm-hmm. If they go too fast or if they skip that step, yep. they haven't did the work. Wow. They're not, they haven't prepared. Wow. So, and I want to review that because it's becoming aware, but then that really important step is understanding the roots. Yes. And then moving into preparing before any action is taken. So those are that's a really big caveat. And, and I don't know, I've never heard that before. I mean, I think it's what Sarah's talking about, awareness. Uh, actually, Gerald May says, without awareness, there can be no transformation. Wow. And it's so the deeper I become aware of, this is how I got to where I mm. am. And I don't want to be here anymore. Mm. And I want to move to something new. What is the solution? And I become aware of what that is also. Mm. Um and that's where they say what finally moves a person out of contemplation. Uh, Prochaska calls them chronic contemplators. Mm. They're always talking about change, looking at it, but they never get into action. Mm. And I think it's important, he says, what is this? The, the central reason that people quit is, is, and they stay in contemplation is fear. Wow. We fiercely cling to what we know. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
He also talks about if you picture, you know, a scale, um, old scales, you know, like weighted scales. Uh, he's he has this visual of that. In order to move out of contemplation and preparation into action, your pros of changing have to outweigh the cons. Yeah. So very often it seems puzzling uh, because you can look at someone's life, you can look at your own life and be like, there's so much negative here. Why would I not want to change? Why right. would I not want, not want this to be better? But you also have to acknowledge there's places of comfort in the dysfunction. Yes. And you're, those are your familiar places. That's mm. what you know. That's what you recognize. And so his point is it has to get uncomfortable enough mm. to the point. And I think that's what we talk about in recovery with rock bottom. It has to get uncomfortable enough that you find the scale finally tips mm. and you go, you know what? I, I want to change because yeah. nothing, it just can't get any worse. I sure. don't want to feel this way anymore. Sure. Sometimes that's a singular moment for people. Mm. I think that was it for me was literally a moment of just, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. Yes. Um, or sometimes I think a series of moments for people where it's slowly, the scales slowly tip. Yeah. Um, but I think if you take, okay, so I would say in group, one one of the most primary goals people make at the end of group is to have a healthier life, mm. whatever that looks like. So if you take that example, whether it's weight loss or eating better, um, exercising, I think literally probably that 90% of people in group make that goal. Mm. Um, but if you think about that, just take that as an example and you think, okay, so now they're aware of that, so they're contemplating it. If, to your point, they try to go from not exercising at all to running four miles a day, mm. they're not going to make it. Yeah. So the question is, how do I prepare to get to that point? If eventually I want to run four miles a day, mm. what's the first baby step I, step I have to take? Wow. Probably I have to walk around my neighborhood for 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, I have to do that two days a week, three days a week. Or if you say, I'm going to, I'm going to eat healthier, but you don't have a menu and you don't know what you're going to buy at the store and you mm. go to the store and you walk down the aisles and you just pick all the same stuff you used to pick yeah. before. There's just, that's that piece of preparation where, you know, and then we're like, oh, well, I failed. Well, the truth is you didn't fail. Yeah. You just didn't get ready. Yeah. You missed a step. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's like solving an equation. If you miss a step, it doesn't matter how hard you work on the equation, the answer is going to be wrong. Exactly. And I want to hit this part too, because it's, I think it's really important of this step of the preparing is to figure out your support network and your emergency plan. So if you can elaborate on that, because I know from my own personal experience, the support network was everything. I mean that I could have, I could have had a terrible plan if I just could have had a support network. So coming from a classic self-study or an isolator of change and getting the books in the mail for November, you know, December 1st or January 1st and then doing it alone. Every single time I look back at every time I ever tried to change, it was always alone. And I was never, I never had a support network. So can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think that's such a huge caveat or a big part of it. Well, I've always go back to Carnes when he said that the single most important aspect of recovery is the ability to build healthy, supportive relationships. Mm. I think it was Meredith Meyer said that it's, it's not the infrastructure that transforms our lives. It's the relationships within the infrastructure wow. that will transform our lives. I mean, look at the great organizations like AA. I mean, it all comes down to the relationships mm. and the support and the accountability that they bring. Um, I was thinking, too, what we were talking about earlier, that, that contemplation is I'm aware I have a problem. Preparation now is I'm moving towards the solution. Mm. And what is the solution is the process. Mm. And in the middle of that process, 
there must be a support community. Yes, okay. I, it's the single most important aspect. Mm. When I work with even people individually, that's the first thing I ask them: Who's your support? Yeah, and almost every time they don't have it. Wow, at all. And usually it's shame mm. that they've isolated in, or they just the denial. I really don't need to do that. Mm. Uh, it's, it's for those people, mm-hmm. and the reality is we, we all do. So, and also just the focusing on the solution. Prochaska says what finally moves a person out of contemplation into action is they focus more on the solution than on the problem, mm. and the solution is the for us. We're such big believers it's it's the support community that's, that has this spiritual foundation mm. because it really comes down to a spiritual dilemma mm. and so we need those relationships mm. Mm-hmm. and i'm glad you said that because i think when i look back at and maybe others of i mean the problem is is when you start deciding to change there are so many people that will happily take your money and <laughs> in the form of books or coaches or whatever else and none of it's spiritual none of it it's all it's all you it's all you and it's and i think that the only thing that actually changed anything within me was going back into spirituality and and having a having relationships that were also in that spiritual area because and scott maybe you can answer this question why do you think that is why do you think it does take that spiritual element instead of the classic self-help. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps to fix this. Why is the spiritual element so important and so needed in this process? Well, that's a great question. I, I think it's because it comes down to what we talk about. I really don't have the power mm. to transform myself. Mm. Um, there was a study that when Sarah and I were in this group with this guy, and he was talking about Harvard did this study on the validity of the 12 steps. And I not, may not be getting this exactly right, but what they found at the end of it was what it really did transform lives, the 12 steps. And what was at the heart of it, they said, was the spirituality. Wow, that's beautiful. And, and they said something like, if you take the spiritual side of man out, mm. then there is no, there's no place for us really to go. Mm. And they were saying that at the end of the day, we just have this longing to believe and we belong to something greater mm. than just ourselves. Um, and, I th- and spirituality to me also is community. Mm. Um, that's where I find my greatest spiritual connection mm. in these small groups yeah. um, where there's genuineness and authenticity mm. and the willingness to be vulnerable. Um, we just, you know, it's such a, an instinct to isolate and to hide my weaknesses and my flaws and my shortcomings. Those are the places that I am easily humiliated and mm. embarrassed. And so shame keeps me isolated and disconnected. Mm. And when I can find those communities, again, we go back to what Brene Brown says, if you can find those places, sprint to them, yeah. those communities, those places where I can be fully known, as yeah. Thompson talks about, and I share that stuff. And when I'm, when it's received by others, I experience a universality. I realize I'm not alone, yep. and that pulls me forward. That's why, that's to me what spirituality is. Spirituality is that community. It's the body mm. that we're all a part of, which is the, the human race. And so, and yet with social media and everything, it's become more and more isolated, more yeah. disconnected. Or you're going, you're you're doing your weight loss plan, or you're doing your relationship plan online. Through a, through, a, through a video series and you're just sitting there in your room, you know, like alone. And there's just, there's no feedback. There's no, there's no divine mirror as you guys call it. And what I think is an instinctive response is that um, 
I'll, I'll connect with you when I think I have everything together that mm -hmm. you will receive mm -hmm. and you will love me versus coming to you with everything disconnected wow. and I'm a mess and I'm flawed and you do receive me, that's life-changing. That's life-changing. And wow. that to me is what a spiritual community provides. The, the message of the spiritual community is very simple but profoundly powerful. You are loved mm. just as you are. Mm. Isn't there a line that says the only time you can change is when you accept yourself for where you're at, right? Is that Parker Palmer? I don't know who has the line, but that's a very part of it is to accept yourself before you start to change. And so, okay, so we've got move into action, and then let's talk about maintenance and then termination, the last two steps. Sure. Um, uh, so can you talk a little bit about that? Let's start with maintenance. So maintenance, I think, um, is really just the continued awareness. It's the continued growth. Um, Prochaska talks about termination as a as an actual thing that can happen where you take a habit or behavior and you forever put it to bed, wow. but, um, and you, you don't return to it again, but I would say, and I'm not saying that wouldn't happen or doesn't happen, but I would say the majority of people that we know, or even in ourselves, the majority of things that we're struggling with mm -hmm. take vigilance for forever. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my most ingrained behaviors or my worst habits um, or my go-tos when I'm, you know, stressed or triggered, those are the things that I think are never really going to go forever. Right. And so I have to just always be aware that they're there. And he, he has a beautiful visual in the book about a spiral staircase. He does not like the word uh, relapse mm. in terms of behaviors. He likes the word recycle. And so we use that vocabulary with our participants. And that is, you know, if you have a problem and you're trying to change uh, and you keep circling it and you feel like, why do I keep circling it? Haven't I not been here before? <laughs> this mm -hmm. is well-worn ter territory. How could I, you know, not seen this coming yeah. or do this again? Uh, that spiral staircase is a visual of moving upward in your awareness. Wow. So you circle it and you circle it and you circle it, but it doesn't mean you're in the same place as you were before. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. You just keep getting sort of more enlightened every wow. time. And I think that's, that's where I think it's so hopeful to look at these stages because... The idea that you're learning something in the process, that's the most important thing. Yep. It's not that you're perfect or that you never have this behavior again, uh, but that every time you circle it, you you can look at yourself and go, okay, this time, what did I do better? What can I try next time? Mm. This worked, but maybe this didn't work, so I'll tweak this a little bit. You know, I feel that way about my own, if I'm going back to say weight loss or healthy living, I must have tried mm -hmm. 50 different exer sure, exercise yeah. things before sure. I finally landed on the one thing that's like most simple for me, which is walking, walking in my neighborhood mm. because I've tried going to the gym and yeah. I have done Zumba and I have done, you know, I, I've done a lot of things and at the same time could not sustain it because it didn't just didn't work for sure. me. Uh, honestly, for me to get up, get dressed, go to the gym is, I, I won't do it. Yeah. I, I'm like, but if you tell me to, put on some yoga pants and walk around my neighborhood, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, and that's what I, that's what I do. Mm. Um, so I think that's the most important thing is I could have gotten frustrated and just said, well, I'm not going to exercise at all. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. Yes. But just keep looking and mm. trying and being more aware around, well, why didn't this particular thing work for me? What mm. might work for me? I think that's really, really important of this. I love that word recycling because 
you can, especially when weight loss is one area. And I know that's, um, we all kind of have that part of our, our, our lives where we're trying to work on our bodies. But I think when you're talking about these deeply ingrained behaviors, these, God, how do I keep getting in into this same situation with a job? How do I keep getting in this situation where, you know, this keeps happening? You know, that I just, that's a beautiful metaphor because that to me is where people get off the bus. They're like, I guess this is just going to be a part of my life forever. And to know that you're actually moving upward, even though if the problem is still there and awareness that that's a, that's a beautiful visual. So I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you guys had some clarity around that. And then obviously focusing on solution. I was, um, at a recent, uh, uh listening to a, uh, a teacher talk on this very thing. And he said, people come to him all the time in his office and every single time they start to talk about what's going on in their lives, if he starts to ask them, okay, what are you going to do about it? They don't come back. <laughs> He's like, as long as I listen, they'll come back. But as soon as I ask them, okay, I've, this is our sixth meeting. I know you have a relationship issue. I know you have a money issue. Can we start talking about what, we're, what you're going to do about it? They retreat. And he said they'll shut down and they won't come back. And so obviously there's you know, that's an interesting uh, dynamic. But but the, the focusing on the solution, as you said, is such a huge part. So Scott, can you talk about maybe why there is some 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 resistance to focusing on the solution and and always talking about the problem, and then specifically why it's so important that you make that transition? Well, first of all, focusing on whatever we f- whatever we focus on, that gets the majority of our energy, mm-hmm. and it's going to be our focus. And so if I'm focusing on the problem all the time, that's just going to be the big, it's going to have the biggest strength in my life. And I'm just going to be, again, chronically contemplating it, talking about it, processing it. But if I focus on the solution, why I, why I think that's uncomfortable for people is that's uncharted territory. Mm. It's, it's the unknown. Uh, and that's where we are fearful. And again, that's why Prochesky says fear is the number one motivator wow. that people keep going back to what they know. And, and as we've talked about, you can keep going back for the rest of our lives. I wanted to say one thing about what Sarah was saying about the recycling. Mm. Um, we always, I like to tell my people I work with, I'm not where I want to be, mm. but I'm not where I was yesterday. Wow. And, and I can learn from every time I confront it and I process it, I learn more about it, and I do move further up. And it, there's just something, a positive mm. mindset about that versus beating myself up, oh, well, I'm not making any progress. I keep doing the same thing over and over again. Mm. And so, but, um, so your question... The question was, is you, you hit on the resistance, which is perfect. So, wh- But why is it such an important transition to actually start changing? Why is focusing on the solution such a valuable aspect of this? Because it's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> and the consistency, that, that's always been my formula for transformation. Consistency plus time plus grace equals transformation. Mm. And the consistency, I always tell people, it's not that I'm consistently doing it right. Mm. It's consistently that I'm staying in the program, I'm staying on the process, that I have that process, wow. I have those people, I have that community, I have my plan, and I'm implementing it to the best of my ability every day. Wow. And I'm not going to do it perfectly. We actually... Advocate to them. You're going to have slips. You're going to make yeah. mistakes. You're going to have setbacks. Mm. It's what you do with them. And, and the instinct is to hide it mm. and to quit. But if you're in community and you have people that you can really, as Karn says, those safe, supportive relationships, um, I can, hey, you know, this is what I, um, this is what I did today. This is what happened. This is where I was at. Okay, let's look at that together. Mm. And together, 
it, I can move forward. It's all about, it's not about perfection, it's about progress. Mm. And, and remember, in process, one of the key things that we teach, again, in a process, there'll be mistakes. Yes. You need to expect them. Yeah. If you expect perfection, if you expect this to be a, a straight line from mm. when you start, you're setting yourself up for, for failure. Wow. And I think that's what so many people do. And once they have one little relapse or slip or setback, they quit. Well, it's like you, as you're articulating that, and I keep saying this because I feel that there may be listeners that have done what I've done in the past, which is you get the book and the only judge of your progress is you. So if you're not doing it right, the book can't tell you, hey, keep going. There's no feedback. There's just this, why can't I get this right? And then you immediately go back into shame and then you're right back at square one. But having those people around you that's like, oh, man, I messed up two weeks ago, but you're not where you were Let's keep moving forward together. That is a whole different feeling, a whole different space. Well, that's, this is about our whole ministry is we are a healing community where that process can take place. Mm. You know, I was just thinking about that in my own life. 25 years ago probably is when I started my journey of recovery and my spiritual journey. Um, there are behaviors that I have reached termination on mm. that I have never repeated. Mm. And I would... I. Is with as much confidence I can say, I probably never will. Mm. But then there's others that have been a lifetime struggle yeah. that I'm getting better at every year, mm. but it's still they still exist. Sure. If I was to quit because I haven't been able to do that that perfectly, right? That's beautiful. And again, like this is to me. Um, we're talking about all we're kind of keep circling it, but it's like the community's everything. It is, it is, it is everything. I mean, if you got, if you got everything else, you can wobble on everything else. But if you just have your community, you're, I, I, I've experienced if you're in community, it's almost impossible not to change. I mean, it's like you're, you're almost set up to, obviously you can always back out of it, but it's like how many people, whether we just did this uh, video with you guys or, listening to testimonials that are part of this, like people are talking about their lives actually changing. And it's just the same story over and over again. It may be a different problem, but the solution is always the same. I found a place where I could be myself and I was accepted. It's like the same message over yeah. and over again. I think the inner critic is extremely harsh. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's Brutal. that's shame, right? And yes. so uh, when you're in isolation and you try and you perceive yourself as failing, yeah. The inner critic just kicks in hard. Yeah, yeah. Now, I would say, you know, the caveat is community has to be supportive community. So if you, yeah. if let's just say your yeah. family, for example, <laughs> is not super supportive of you, don't go there yeah. <laughs> with the feeling of failure. It's probably only going to get exasperated. Sure. Uh, so it's important to, <laughs> to pick who you're sharing that with. But, yeah. uh, but I do think that, um, you know, when we talk about resistance, that natural resistance, like I, I really want people to hear that that the resistance we all feel when we go, okay, I'm going to go make this change. I'm ready. You're, whether it's shame or your brain, I'm not exactly sure, you know, forces of the universe they like are trying to talk you out of it immediately mm. and get you back to where you were. Yeah. I do think if we're talking in spiritual terms, that is the force of the universe that says, I don't want you to be your best self. Mm. I'm, I, I would love for you to stay in your yes. shame ridden, apathetic yeah. <laughs> self Therefore, you will not, you know, accomplish or move forward, you know, God's God's will in the universe. And so 
that is the resistance that we feel, however you interpret that, is yeah. real. It's yeah. real. It'll happen the first minute you sign up for counseling. It'll happen the first minute you sign up for a group. Yep. It'll happen when you start reading a book and you get two chapters in. You're like, eh, do I really need to read it? it you'll feel it. Yep. Also, that's a really good place of self-awareness, of, of recognizing the resistance, yep. knowing it's normal, feeling like just because I put this book down two chapters in doesn't mean I can't pick it up again yes. and start again. Mm. Um, so giving yourself grace to go just because I didn't do it exactly the way I thought I was going to do it doesn't mean I still can't get mm. it done. Um, we just have to push past that resistance. And, you know, as much as we were saying, focusing on the problem rather than the solution. Well, it's easier to focus on the problem because the solution takes effort. It yeah. takes work. Um, you know you're going to have to put some energy and time and effort and probably a little bit of suffering and pain into it to get there. Yeah. Uh, so again, when you're weighing out your pros and cons, sometimes sitting in the muck is like, well, it's also it's all right here. Like yeah, it's not right. it's not so bad here. Yeah, <laughs> like I can, I, yeah, you know? absolutely. You know, I think when it comes down to it, what our communities or the communities that people can find that are life changing, they're full of empathy. Mm. And, you know, for years, I go back to um, Gerald May saying this, that grace was the most powerful force in the universe. I mean, that was 25 years ago I read that, and still that's emerging for me, what just the power of what he meant by that. Yeah. And it comes down to what I think the most destructive force in the universe is shame, because mm. it does what Sarah, Sarah said. It's going to isolate me. It's going to tell me I'm not worth this. Yeah. I can't, you know, and, and I'm going to withdraw. Mm. But grace, which is full of empathy and compassion, which to me ultimately is just love. Yeah. Love is the most powerful force in your universe. And I found this quote the other day. It says, um, and, uh, a reminder of what matters most, what endures when all else seems to be lost, what grace may yet be available when we meet fear with love. Mm. And I think that that's... Um, what happens when I'm focusing on the solution? Yes. That love. And again, I go back to Anatomy of the Soul when Thompson said that the single most important aspect for a person's life is to experience being fully known. Mm. And he says that, that that happens best in community. Yeah. And when I have the courage to expose my flaws, my weaknesses, my struggles, now there's an opportunity for them to be healed. Mm. Um, I remember Roar saying when he went to an AA meeting once and a person, their voice was shaking when they stepped up to Mike and said, hi, I'm Joe, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. Mm. And he said, you could feel the empathy of every person in the room wow. saying, we take your shame mm. and we love you. Mm. And I think that's, that's what keeps us, that's the solution mm. for whatever it is that, it ails us in our human condition. What's beautiful too is that what, what I'm reminded of is whether I'm sitting with people that have gone through a store or my own experience going through a small group where everybody in there, maybe there's maybe they have like 30% commitment or they have 80% commitment. Everybody's in there for the same reason. And so you may have problem A, maybe a green color. I may have a purple color. But what's beautiful about it is that you start to cheerlead each other because you also know how hard it is because you're going through the same thing. And I, I, I there's there's an element to this, like you said, Sarah, that I, I just want to circle back to is I've always been fascinated with the fact that people are unlikely to join a small group because of strangers, but it ends up being the strangers <laughs> 
that are the very thing that you need because mm-hmm. they don't have your they don't have that background. And when you try to change with someone in your life that knows you that, you know, that may not be, um, you know, that whether it's a parent or it's a friend or it's a, it's a, it's a relationship that everything's intertwined, you know, you're going to be a little more calculating about what you reveal about how you're changing. And like when you're around strangers, you're like, these people don't know me. And so there's this beautiful sense of camaraderie where you fail, you're lifted up. And when you succeed, people actually celebrate and they're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, congratulations. Yeah. That's amazing. So that we all need that support. Yeah. If you look at I mean, really what you're talking about is that the people who have a vested emotional um, interest in you, yes. whether if it's healthy, they're, they're going to let you be free to change. Mm. If it's unhealthy, they've got a vested interest in keeping you where you are. Mm. And that's the unfortunate part of, you know, because relationships can get manipulative and, yeah. um, and, and that's how they become unhealthy. But it is hard sometimes with the people closest to you. Mm. They're like, no, we're, we're in this unhealthiness together. Let's mm. stay here. Cause if you change, then what does that mean for me? Yeah. And that I think, um, you know, we talk about, about changing, especially in relationships. It's like, Sometimes it's easier to start on the outer edges of your life and move yeah. your way in because it's it's hard with the people who who love you. They and sometimes I I don't know that they even realize their motivations, right? Sure. A lot of us are moving from unconscious motivations. Oh, yeah. So we there's a lot of that. I'm not saying it's necessarily malicious or purposeful, but a lot of times it's just familiar and yeah. and the people around us don't want to get out of the familiarity either. Right. So you feel the resistance inward and outward. Sure. So. That's beautiful. Well, I mean, I think I think we've we've really hit it. I'm so glad that you guys brought up because you know, as you have a note here, I mean, the vast majority of New Year's resolutions do fail, will fail, and it's important to maybe and part of that preparation is to know that and to know that there before you even begin the process of change to say it's if I do decide to work on this relationship, if I do decide to lose weight. I can expect this and I can also be met with grace. And also if I can surround myself with other people, it's going to expedite the process and be a lot easier on me. So anything else you guys want to add as a last note on maybe just the, um, if somebody is, is just maybe the perfect person to talk to is the person that's just like, listen, I've tried, I've tried. I just can't seem to fix this. And they've just kind of lost hope. You know, I know that's a big part of restore, um, is, uh, is hope. And as, as I feel like as a, as a society because of what everybody's been through over the past couple of years, hope almost sounds like a cuss word. So it's like, you know, <laughs> let's talk about maybe round out on hope and where that hope can come from. Well, this sounds like I'm making a plug for our book, but, but journey to freedom was written specifically for that cause mm. for people, because it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning when Sarah was talking about Prochaska's model that people fail to change because they haven't done the foundational work. They haven't done. They haven't prepared mm-hmm. to change. Mm-hmm. That sounds like such a contradiction. I need to prepare myself, then I can change. Sure. And all the New Year's resolutions, people who are in contemplation, jumping into action, and I mean it's almost 100% are going to fail. Mm-hmm. And so if they did, you know, our Journey to Freedom groups are that for that. Mm-hmm. You, you step in. And you work your way through mm. the foundational steps, building more and more awareness. And then you realize this is how I got here. But even more importantly, I become aware of what I got to do. Mm. And hopefully um, we've moved you or the process has moved you to where you're ready to take action. Yeah. Yeah. 
And maybe the other question is, is have you ever done it in the group? I mean, if you failed a lot, are you continually just doing it? You may change your different books. You may have a different program, but have you been doing it alone is a massive question that I should have asked a long time ago, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And then once I made that pivot, everything started to change. Mm-hmm. So I would, I think all I would want people to remember is don't live in the absolutes. Um, mm. How often we go, you know what? That's it. Tomorrow I'm going to stop doing this. And you're like, <laughs> No, you know, that's not how it could be that way. Yeah. We'd just all be really healthy oh, uh, yeah. if I could stop eating sugar or mm-hmm. stop drinking coffee. Um, <laughs> so I would just say the hope for everyone is just baby, baby steps, you yeah. know, unless it's a behavior that is literally endangering your life. I'll put that caveat yeah. on there. Obviously, you want to stop immediately sure. if you're doing something that is uh, life threatening. Yeah. But with most of our habits, it's like, no, you're going to have to slowly whittle away, try to tweak it, step down from it. You know, it's, Mm. and, um, and I always tell people, you know, at the end of journey to freedom, actually at the end of most of our groups, we make a plan of change. Mm. Every participant makes a plan of change. And that is always my advice to Mm. everyone is smallest goal you know, just make the smallest goals because you don't want to set yourself up for failure. So, uh, you know, I, if that means walking one day a week, that's a goal Mm. and you, and you can easily meet it. And I think when people meet it, then they feel empowered to meet the next one. So that's why I would just say the hope for people don't live in the absolutes of it's all or nothing. either because I've tried it before. It's like, I'm, I'm going to quit sugar. Like two days later, I'm, you know, binging on a, you know, (laughs) chocolate bar. It's like, no, it's, it's too much. It's too much. So you just, you got to take it one day at a time, a little bit at a time. And one of the things I tell people is when you write your plan of change, keep it, keep it somewhere you can find it six months from now, a year from now, look at it. You will be amazed. Mm -hmm. Like if you make those small goals, uh, it, sometimes that's the thing is like, uh, you know, watched pot never boils, right. You, you really can't see the change happening. It's so incremental mm. over time. So it's hard. You have no perspective to look back on like where, where was I six months ago? Mm. But if you have that plan of change, you pull it out, you'll be like, wow, six months ago, I was really struggling with this. Now that doesn't feel wow. quite as much of a struggle anymore. Mm. Um, so I, I just want to encourage people that change happens over time. Take it one day at a time. Um, and you'll get there yeah. eventually. It's beautiful. Well, thank you guys so much. And if you're out there and um, looking to really change and, and uh, looking for hope, then I, I can't think of a better place to start than joining a small group and uh, being a part of other people, as we've talked about, that are also invested and uh, will cheer you on along the way. Well, we wish you all well this new year. We love you. You're not alone. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Restore Small Groups is a nonprofit based in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more, visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org.